0: Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Let's begin today in Proverbs chapter 21, the book of wisdom. And we're going to talk about your goals and your plans for the coming new year. We're only a few weeks out. And I believe this can be something that's very exciting because I believe you're stepping into the greatest year of your life. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, let your Holy Spirit unlock these timeless biblical principles that you have established for us to live by. Now, we thank you for laying them wide open today so that we can take them and put them to use, and we thank you that your word is working greatly today in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 The plans of the diligent, and we're talking today primarily about plans, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. My friends, diligent people are those who make plans. And God's plans lead to what? They lead to plenty they lead to abundance. Now, we also see the opposite or the flip side of this coin, which is that being hasty or rushing and being in a hurry is actually a result of not planning. So therefore, it leads to various difficulties in life. Those difficulties could be missing the plane, missing a business investment opportunity, it could lead to financial difficulties, it could lead to um, losing a gold medal because there were not good plans laid out. So the new year does carry tremendous potential for you, but my friends, you're going to utilize to the maximum that potential by going into the year well planned. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, there's many different uh, plans that you may want to consider. And um, over the last three weeks, I have sat down and talked with two pastors. They're both uh, serving the Lord effectively in ministry. But it, it was interesting, each one of these pastors this year has uh, lost over 50 pounds each in weight. And uh, one, one of them lost 55 pounds And the other lost right at just a little over 50 pounds. And, uh, you know, they have different ministries. They don't know each other. But I thought that was very interesting because they're pushing on because they actually want to lose a total of 70 and get to uh, what what doctors would consider to be your set body weight. And I thought that was remarkable. And that's tremendous progress these two men of God have made. But you know what? They reached that place with good planning, and the plan that they implemented is working. So let's let's talk about planning today in detail because the types of things that we want to see, whether it's something uh, as clearly as a goal or a plan to lose weight, these are things that when we wake up in the morning, they don't just automatically happen. So we have to have a good structure, a good plan. And this is important because planning, if you really look at it carefully, planning is winning. You know, right now the NFL football teams are playing, competing to get into the Super Bowl, and eventually only one person is going to win the crown. But going into each game, every coach has what is known as a game plan. You don't just go in there and think, well, we'll We'll be spontaneous. We'll figure it out as we go. (laughs) Well, there's always spontaneity with the player when the ball is put in his hands. You can plan that, uh, and you can plan the blockers, and you can plan the running back, uh, but he still has to do his thing. But nevertheless, you do have to have a plan for every play and for every game. And the better at planning you get... The better you get at winning, praise the Lord. So I really do want you to go into this new year with a game plan. You can't just cross the uh, the threshold, finish the old, step into the new, and just begin to put things on like a repeat mode. You need to have a new plan. And here's the thing with God: your planning can get better as you go. And I believe that you're going to have the best laid plans that you have ever had before. In preparing for what you're going to be stepping into. So planning is necessary for every individual's life, whether it's for uh, the different aspects of your life. Let's say you're a businessman or a businesswoman, or you have a ministry, or you run an organization. Planning is necessary. And here's something interesting. Planning reveals that you don't grow big to manage well. You actually manage well to grow big. And there's a lot of Christians in their mind, they actually have that concept backwards. In other words, they say, well, when I become successful, that's when I'll get really organized. And that's when my planning will, I'll get serious about it. But it's, it's backwards because Planning reveals that you don't grow big to manage well. You manage well. You plan well so that you can grow big. Your business or your ministry or whatever it is that God has called you to will grow big in the future. So you must see the quality plan that you are prepared to engage in today. You have to be able to see it and It's not really the tomorrow or the future that we know about. It's right now. So working with the tools that we have now, we can craft and formulate a very effective plan. Praise the Lord. It is true that many organizations struggle because of a lack of poor planning. You know, my wife and I were traveling one time and we were at a layover at an airport, and they had a Sabaro pizza restaurant. Well, when you're trying to catch another plane, all you want to do is grab a slice and go. And so uh, I got into the line to grab a slice, and the, the line was moving so slow. And uh, the person at the, ca- uh, the checkout register, really that uh, person should not have been on that task. Maybe they should have been uh, mixing salads or putting... Pepperoni on pizza, but the person was so slow that the line was backed up, uh, you know, just as about as far as you can see, and it wasn't moving. And, you know, people were just walking out of the line that's lost sales. Well, that's not that person's fault. That is the management's fault for not saying, hey, we have a bottleneck here. Let's fix the bottleneck so that there can be a flow. I came back to that same airport. One year later, to catch another connecting flight, walked by what was formerly the Sabaro Pizza restaurant, and it was shut down. <laughs> Had the metal gates like kind of like slid down in front of it. <laughs> and uh, that really could have been the thing that put that restaurant out of business. It's uh, very, very interesting. So we want to manage well because it's very important. And it does take strategic planning to maximize business endeavors and we want to give it our attention. Management skill is key to determining the level of results that any business or organization experiences. Now, here's something that uh, we need to tie into because you you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I don't have an organization. I'm uh, I, I'm working for a company, so I'm just like maybe like a cog in the system. But no. You you still have your own individual life, and these things begin to break down to the individual. So think about it like this. Life that is not well-managed or well-planned is wasted. You know, Evan Roberts, the evangelist that God used in the Welsh revival at the turn of the century, leaving the 1800s, going into the early 1900s, He talked about the stunning moment that he would see happen to people, individuals, in these meetings when the Spirit of God would begin to move. And people, many of them sinners, would encounter the power or the reality of God for the first time in their lives. And he said that expression, when a man or woman realizes they have wasted their entire life, it's, it's 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 incredible. The first real realization, as you realize you're not right with God, that you're dirty, that you're a sinner, but the second realization he, he and he could see it on the faces of people, is the moment that you realize you have wasted your entire life because you never served God. It's incredible, my friends. A life not well managed will be wasted. Also, time not well-managed, is going to end up being lost. Here's a big one. Money that is not well-managed is going to have what happened to it. It's going to get squandered. It's going to get wasted also. <laughs> it may even get lost. <laughs> That's why a lot of these governments, they love working with uh, nations that are, uh, I, I would call them end-of-the-line type nations. And what I mean by that is that when money goes into these nations, it loses uh, the ability to be accounted for. That's why developed nations love working with countries like Afghanistan, working with countries like Ukraine, which for decades has been known as one of the most corrupt uh, nations on the face of the earth. But nations like working with these type of nations, why? Because if you send money there, let's say it's government money, the, mo- the moment that it goes into those bank accounts in those countries, the accounting is over with. There's, there's no more accounting of it because these places are all corrupt. <laughs> what does that mean? It means now you can do uh, illegal activities such as money laundering, and there's no way to trace the money. So what happens so often, the money ends up not in the hands of... Of those that it was designated to, which would be humanitarian aid or things like that, it ends up in the hands of the dictator. It ends up in the hands of corrupt politicians, and it gets washed, it gets laundered, and uh, it's basically cash that now goes off the record books. Anything that does not have organization, structure, and planning, you are looking at waste. Now, I know a lot of these problems, such as governmental waste, is never going to be fixed, until Jesus comes back. But the reason that we have corrupt governments is because we have corrupt individuals. So we must work with our own lives. We must make sure that our books are clean, that we're walking right before the Lord. Because what is a government? it is an entity of people it's a group of people so if the people have no ethics have no morals then if you get them together or they're in leadership now you have a corrupt government so it all goes back to the person and the person managing their life properly if you cannot manage your own life properly there's no way you can uh, manage a country praise the lord so everything that needs to grow uh, and that's your life, that's your calling, your destiny. It must be well managed. Praying without planning, and this is important, and uh, I, I'm big on prayer, but pray, uh, praying without planning is kind of like playing around without really knowing uh, what you're doing. When I was young at an elementary school, Uh, There was a kid that was real popular in class. He was in my grade, and he was the football coach's son. So everybody loved him because everybody loved his dad and, you know, had a real good football team and everything like that. But uh, this uh, young boy was really popular, and I I looked up to him, and one day uh, during recess, he got all of us other boys together. And he said, now we're going to create something. I, I, I was real excited because I had never created anything in my life. And this is like, I think it was like third grade or something like that. So we went over to a stream next to the playground. And we started shaping uh, things in the mud. He said, now you need to stack it like this and you need to, you need to create these mud shapes this way. And then we of course, we're kind of wondering what we're going to do with this, but we were excited. We thought maybe we're going to build the next Tower of Babel. We didn't know what we're going to do, but he was our leader and we were excited. And then, after we had done all that he said to do, he picked up one of those mud objects that was still uh, wet and gooey, and he just threw it at all of us, and it splattered all over all over us, and the next thing you know, a big mud fight broke out. We're all throwing mud at each other, and we thought that was the funnest thing we ever did, but at the same time, we all realized we didn't accomplish anything. We didn't build anything. So praying without planning is like, it's like you're playing around. <laughs> you don't even really know. Uh, how you're supposed to get to where you want to go, but you're praying to get there. So we need to incorporate planning into our prayers. Praise God. And when you do this, you can work your way through what can be called a power cycle. And here's that cycle. Number one, and by the way, you need to write these down and meditate on this. So number one is you want to define the purpose. Number two is when you begin to plan. Number three is when you establish goal setting. Number four is when you begin the pursuit of this journey. And then number five is when you take delivery. And now we all get excited about number five, but we need to work through this cycle. Let's jump back just for a moment as we consider those two pastors that have lost weight and are making great progress on their goals They actually worked through this cycle without even thinking about it or knowing technically what it is they are doing. They had they had like a rough plan and they had a lot of willpower. But this is actually what's going on. Number one, purpose. What is the purpose? To lose weight so that you can live the full days of the life that God has called you to live, and so that you can effectively serve God without your body slowing you down okay so the purpose is defined and then number two is planning by the way planning includes sectioning your plans into various time slots and so that planning now includes how are we going to fulfill the purpose of losing weight are we going to walk or are we going to walk outside are we more of a treadmill type person or do we want a stationary exercise bike or what what works for me And then let's hit the diet area. Are we going to step back from fried food? Are we going to get away from the saturated fats, get our cholesterol balanced and things like that? Are we going to form some relationships with those that are into exercise? Can I do this at home or do I need to go to a gym? So planning, section it into plans so that you can see it. And then, and then number three, the actual part of goal setting, what is the overall goal? How much weight do you want to lose? Well, now that's a good question, Pastor Stephen. I've never really thought about that. Well, you have to set your goals. And so let's say that you want to lose 50 pounds in a year. Okay, well, you're looking at about four pounds, just a little over four pounds a month. And now you can begin to see what is in front of you. And then uh, once that's defined, then you begin the pursuit, which is you start. You have a day one. By the way, a great day to start is the new year, but you have to get all of this structured and organized. So you want to make that pursuit. And so you start, and when you've got it laid out, it's, it's so much easier to work through it. And then finally, at the end, you take the delivery, whether it is stepping on a scale and seeing uh, the rewards of all the work that you put into, or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, seeing the year-end sales totals of the end of the year and the increase and the extra profit that you've made, praise the Lord, all of those wonderful things. Uh, That is the plan. So again, here's the power cycle. Purpose, planning, goal setting, pursuit, and delivery. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's great. What do I do after I've done? I've done it and and it's been delivered. Then you repeat it. You repeat this power cycle until your life on earth is done. You do it until you draw your last breath, because it works. It works. Yes, we pray. Yes, we have faith. We believe God. And at the same time, there is a lot in the scriptures about the subject of planning and getting it all structured in a way where we can walk this out. Praise the Lord. Prayer alone actually it's almost like it can make some Christians a burden to God because they go before the Lord and they're, they're just asking God for stuff all the time. God, give me this. God, give me this. <laughs> so it's like they're weighing God down with all of these requests. But prayer with planning is the combination. Prayer with planning is the combination that actually moves you into a place of being a co-laborer with God. And that's a big difference. And that's really where life can become very exciting. And, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're looking forward to the day because you're, uh, now it's not like you're a burden to God with just more and more requests. No, now you're going to keep praying, but you've got a plan. And so now it's time to implement. And so, uh, prayer with planning is what moves you into that place of being a co-laborer with God. And yes, it is very very exciting by the way sometimes people suffer from loneliness loneliness is not so much a uh, factor of isolation loneliness is a product of not knowing your direction in life okay and you could also tie that in with very poor planning Okay, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You have no motivation. You have no drive, <laughs> all right? So these things will really help alleviate that. Praise the Lord. All right, let's move on. Proverbs chapter 24, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Praise God. Now, every project, every endeavor really is going to end up at the mercy of wise planning. Okay. And you have probably uh, have discovered this, that your life is in phases. Even if you have a prophetic word, you have a vision, uh, sometimes what you're seeing or sometimes what is being prophesied over your life is not necessarily for that moment. It could be three months out, it could be three years out, or it could be three weeks out. But nevertheless, your life is in phases, and we move through each phase in a sequential order. Praise the Lord. But you want to do it with wise planning so that everything is smooth. There was a pastor one time that had a vision of Jesus right when he was at that age of 30, when he was just about to begin His ministry. And this pastor saw a vision of Jesus, and he was in his carpentry shop for the very last time. And he was looking over all of the tools, and all of the tools were hung up and in order. Everything was neat and placed in order. And by the way, Jesus, being the elder brother, most likely taught his brothers also how to do carpentry. So he wasn't leaving things in a mess. For them to pick up and try to fix. Everything was perfect and in order. And the last thing he did is he took off that work apron and hung it up, walked to the door and took one last really good look at that carpentry shop, and then left and hit it down to the area of the Jordan River. And that's when everything changed. That's when John told his disciples, See that man walking over there on the side of the river? They said, Yeah. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said, that's him. That's the, that's the anointed one right there. And he never went back to the carpentry shop ever again. <laughs> Woo! But see, there is order. There's it's the sequential order. There are some theologians who thought that probably based upon Old Testament types and shadows, that jesus could potentially have started his ministry at the age of 28 and that uh that's looking back at old testament saints uh for for example if you look at the life of joseph joseph came out of prison when he was 30 now joseph was a type of christ the anointed one so when you see jesus you see a lot of those symbols hidden in the life of joseph But two years before Joseph was 30 and was released from prison and stepped into his destiny, two years earlier, he had the situation with the butler and the baker. And it seemed at that point he's ready to go. And he even told them, hey, look, when you get out, please tell Pharaoh about me. But it didn't happen. Why? Because although he was 28 and Joseph looked like he was ready to go really at that point, the Holy Spirit is only working on fine-tuning. You're rock solid with the uh, foundations. Your cement is hard. You're You're ready, but this is now the time of fine-tuning, and that really can be the hardest time to wait because you think, hey, Lord, I, aren't we ready? And in a sense, you are, but it's the fine-tuning Uh, It's the polisher that makes all the difference. That's what was going on between 28 and 30 with Joseph. And I believe also most likely with Jesus, uh, the Messiah as well. Praise God. So we have to get that fine tuning just right. Good planning is integral to that. Praise God. Now, verse five, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Wow, these scriptures are incredible. (laughs) For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. You always want to fight your battle. You know, it's like crazy stuff. Like back in the seventeen hundreds or eighteen hundreds in in England, and uh, and that some of that came over to America. If you want to settle a feud, you would have a shoot-off, right? Where uh, you get two guys. Maybe they had a quarrel, and they're both real mad at each other. Uh, maybe an argument over money, an argument over who knows what. But uh, you could settle the quarrel peacefully by each getting a gun, marching off 30 paces, turning around, and then you have a judge, and the judge says fire, and you both shoot each other and kill each other. Or whoever you know, fires first, or whoever's the better aim. <laughs> but you never want to engage in a battle where you know, oh, he's really good at shooting, and uh, he's done this before and it's killed 10 people. No, you want to wage your own war. It's like a sword fight. You know, uh, some guy says, let's settle this with a sword fight. Well, yeah, he's an expert swordsman, so of course he's going to pick that. You know, you even see it in church history. Um, there was a time around the 500s and 600s, particularly as ancient Europe was being evangelized, you had some of the Christian uh, ministers that would come up through either the uh, Druid priest or the pagan priest, and they would they would say, hey, why don't we just settle this? There's no need for a long debate. Why don't, why, why don't we have the king just watch, and we'll do a showdown right now. Just build a big bonfire, okay? Light the whole thing on fire, and the minister would say, I'll jump into it, and you, the high priest of the Druids, or you, the high priest or whatever false God you worship, you just jump into the fire with me. and Let's just find out who the real God is, uh, by whichever one of us lives through this. And that actually settled, as you could imagine, right on the spot, who the real God was. And many of the early Celtic saints actually employed that tactic. But, uh, it reminds me of when St. Francis of Assisi actually, and he had, he had done that before too. He actually Went all the way to um, the area of Arabia and ministered to a Persian prince. And all of those who were not for it, you know, because he was trying to win the prince, the Lord, but all of his advisors were like, oh, no, 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 no. We have our own gods. We don't want your God. And so Francis pulled the same thing. Well, let's just start a big fire. and All you guys and me, we'll just jump in it. They said, no, we, we don't play it like that here. In other words, they were smart enough to know, uh, don't do that because we're all going to get burned up. <laughs> So you want to go in the areas of your strength, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated for by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, only those who sit down and plan today are going to be those who shine tomorrow. I want to say it again. Only those who sit down, Notice I said sit down. It's hard to plan when you're running around 100 miles an hour. Only those who sit down and plan today will be the ones who shine tomorrow. Now, I really see you shining next year. Okay, but we know what that is going to be the result of. The goal of any business will remain unattainable without planning. Plans and goals actually become more attainable when they are written out. And there is scientific data that proves that, that if you will write it out, it's now 40% more more attainable. You need to have a notepad with you. Uh, pick the size you want and a pen pretty much everywhere you go. I take them with me everywhere I go. I, I I burn through them like crazy, not only because I use them for notes for preaching, but I also have dedicated notepads for notes, for thoughts that I don't want to lose. When God inspires me with a thought, something that I can do, something that I need to do, I write it down. And you need to always have a, a means of recording. That and while I do use digital notes, that's not my end backup because digital can be lost. A um, and I understand this could this could get lost too, but I would much rather have uh, some notebooks. On uh, asset-proof paper, uh, these will be here a uh, hundred years from now. Should the Lord tarry, I don't think we have a hundred years, but um, uh, these notepads will be around. Make sure you have yourself one. Kelly buys them for me in stacks. <laughs> she buys these for me in stacks. You'll get like six or maybe uh, seven of them for me at a time. Praise the Lord. Make yourself happy. Go out and get you one today as you're getting ready, as you're getting excited for this tremendous year that you're about to go into. Now, through wisdom, a house is built. You must have a plan for any house. Well, Pastor Stephen, I can see it up here. That's good, but that's not going to fly with the uh, building code inspector. You have to submit your house plans to the county officials, and they are going to look at it. Uh, You know, uh, I live in the city, but uh, the ministry property, the new ministry property that we have in North Wilkesboro by the airport, we do have city water, but there is not a sewage system out there, so that means there's going to be have uh, to be a septic system. No big deal. I've been through that process many times before, but that will have to be installed. So any building plan, in city or out of city, regardless, it has to have a plan. You can't just say, "Well, I'm going to build this." Well, what are you going to build? Well, I've got it up here. <laughs> they have to have it on paper. They have to be able to see it. And of course, you know, we know that is simple blueprints. Praise God, but. Even your, your home builder or your, your, you know, whether it's a residence or commercial, commercial building, the builder has to be able to see it. It's got to be stamped, approved, and these are just things that we have to do. So dreams without a written plan, this is important, dreams without a written plan are destined to never see the light of day. Again, this is kind of almost like playing around. It's like you're playing, hoping and wishing, but it's not really ever going to happen because you're not getting serious because you're actually not writing these things down and actually putting thought to paper and establishing these and flushing out these ideas and thoughts in a real tangible way. We're talking about written plans. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now let's talk for a moment about actually what is planning. Planning. What is planning? I've got three different definitions, but they're all very, very similar. Number one, planning is a step-by-step approach to accomplishing a set goal. And I know many of you are formulating your goals. You're formulating your goals, but planning is the step-by-step approach to accomplishing a set goal. Planning is the ordering of your priorities in the aim to accomplish a specific task. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, there are people like on the UN Council, there's people on like the World Economic uh, Council who they sit down and they actually try to put in order the priorities of what nations want, of what You know, uh, governmental leaders want because here's the reality you can't do all of them. (laughs) Pastor Stephen, we want to fix this, we want to fix that, we want to fix global warming, we want to fix poverty, we want to fix this, we don't want anybody sick. It's just like, Uh, and you got a list of a hundred things, it's just not, it's never going to happen. Why? There's no priority. There's no ranking of actually what you want to do. So all we hear people talk about is we need to fix this and fix that. When the truth is, is that each of those problems are extremely complex. Uh, It takes, it would take a lot of work to fix any of them. And so what's happening? They just persist, which is why Jesus said, you'll always have the poor, among you there'll come a day when jesus rules and reigns on the earth during the millennial reign of the messiah which he is but uh, and he's going to be able to fix all of those things but it can't happen now because people aren't willing to set priorities (laughs) so what is planning it's the ordering of your priorities in the aim to accomplish a specific task what is planning it's a process of action to fulfill a dream. It's a process of action. And that process of action is really a set of activities. It's a set of activities that you put action to in order to fulfill a dream. So since planning requires the ability to design, it is something that we really need to do. Sit down with your pen and paper, with your laptop, or your iPad or your smartphone and sit down, get your technology to help you out and support you. And just sit down and begin to go to work. Why? Because no one succeeds by accident. We have all kinds of people that are really good at making excuses that love to say that person was lucky or she just uh, she just got an open door for her. But um, no one succeeds by accident. Shallow men and women think of luck but great men and women think think of cause and effect let me say that again shallow men and women think luck oh they're lucky chance okay they think luck but great men and women think of cause and effect why is this happening how are they actually doing this how are they winning mm, cuz there there's a there's a there's a method to it. Praise God. The Christian salesman, very successful salesman, Zig Ziglar. What a name, right? You would think just with a name like that, you could you could uh, be a good salesman. But Zig Ziglar said, Any dummy can succeed if he cares to know what it takes. And I have found that that is so true. <laughs> that is incredibly true. Wow. I, you know, uh, it kind of hit me one day when I sat down and, with the founder and the president of a university that students were flocking to get into. And I sat down with him and talked with him for about an hour and a half. And while he had horrible English, he could hardly write yet. This man founded an incredible university. So, uh, he had his weaknesses, but there were certain things he knew. Okay. So Zig Ziglar said any dummy can succeed if he cares to know what it takes. Okay. So if you can find out what it takes and it takes planning, then you too can succeed. Amen. And you're not a dummy either. You're a genius in Jesus. Woo. The mind of the anointed one is operating in you. Praise God. Now let's talk for a moment about really the primary thing that God helps you to use to formulate, I would call it a great plan, not just a good plan, certainly not a plan, but even a great plan. What is that thing? Praise God. Well, let's think for a moment. If you have a great product, it means that you used the best raw materials in the manufacturing of that product. Product. So there are raw materials that we're going to be working with, one primarily. You know, my wife and I, we know a a Christian man that sat down one day in his kitchen uh, because he really liked cookies, and he, especially like me, liked oatmeal raisin cookies. And he actually sat down to formulate. The best oatmeal raisin cookie in the world, and he found that if you mix a few other things into it, uh, such as cherry, cherries, and maybe just a tiny bit of walnut. I know not everybody connects with walnuts, but and he he well he put this cookie formula together, and it was it was probably the best cookie I've ever eaten in my life. And, and Kelly tried a few and she said, wow. She said, these are all said the same thing. These are the best cookies I've ever had in my life. But yes, it's getting the recipe quantities right, but the quality was off the chart. And he said, you know, he told us, he said, um, hey, you know, the, to sell these, they're going to be priced so high because this, I sourced the best ingredients that are going into this. Everything's Organic, Everything is uh, the best of the best. I said, well, you know, sell it as a luxury item. (laughs) Because there are people that think that tastes so good. I'm willing to pay $3 for one cookie if it tastes that good. And it really did. Praise God. He moved out of state. I'm never quite, never uh, sure what happened to the cookie plan. Praise God. But the point is, is that if you have a great product, that that it means mixed into it somewhere are really good raw materials. So what is the primary raw material that you're going to be using to create a fabulous plan? Are you ready for this? It's your brain. Woo, woo, say praise God. It's the use of your brain. The ability to think, the ability to reason out the ability to even be analytical or logical thinking, even if you don't have a PhD in math, praise God, but it's the ability to sit down and think because every great planner must at the same time be a great thinker. Mm. That doesn't mean that I expect you to strike a pose like Socrates or Plato or Aristotle or the thinking man pose, sitting, you know, know, kind of like that deep in thought. But you may have to do some of that at a coffee shop or with your uh, board of directors or in the board meeting room or somewhere or burning the midnight oil as you sit there, you and the Holy Spirit mapping out, planning out the fabulous year that you're about to step into. And Every great planner, again, must be a great thinker. And as you begin to meditate upon the plan, you can even get into that place where as you crunch the numbers, you can begin to do projections. You can see stages of growth. You can project how the coming year can be, and you can also use your faith and put your faith on that, believing God for his best, believing God even for uh, breakthroughs, those uh, unexpected big uh, breakthroughs that happen, you know, like the big contract that came through. And uh, wow, that now you can expand your business further, whatever it might be. And you can build gradually. And eventually, you will get there. You know, we have the land and we have a concept in our minds of the new television studio. But I, I'm in no rush because I understand that things move through phases. And, you know, sometimes uh, people look at my friend, Sid Roth, and they see all that he's doing, and they see the beautiful studio that he owns, debt-free, and they think, Pastor Stephen, you should be there. I'm like, well, that's like 30 years ahead of where I'm at right now. And not only that, I knew Sid years back when he was leasing. Every single time he had to go do a recording, he had to rent rent. The the studio of another agency, and I know who he was renting from, he would have to rent, he would have to subcontract a team in of camera people and stuff like that. Now, today, it's very different. Today, he has the... Uh, multi-million dollar look with all of the -the state-of-the-art goodies, and he's got the team. But it wasn't always like that. Even if people thought it looked like that behind the scenes, it wasn't. He went from level to level, very wisely, stage to stage, making good forward progress. And one day you wake up and you realize, wow, we are in, perhaps you could call it prime time, or we're in a place where we are making a giant impact, but nobody gets there overnight. (laughs) Amen. So I feel in my life, and I feel also with you watching that God has his hand on your life and you're on track, you're on track. Just keep moving forward. Praise God. And this is something that will help you to end up in that place of fullness is to realize that as you plan, life is practical. Life is not mystical. And you're hearing this from a prophet. That is my ministry office calling. I operate also as an an apostle. And I'm honored that the Lord has called me into these ministry offices. But even with the experiences I have with the Lord of visions, of having seen angels in the spirit realm, of having had, you know, many supernatural encounters, I still realize that life is practical. It's not mystical. And if you try to make life mystical, you're going to end up not walking in the reality of the good things that God wants you to experience. You know, one of my favorite countries in the world is India. I love India. I've been there multiple times. I love the people. I love the culture. And I love I love the food, and you know, if if the Lord told my wife and I to move there, I I I feel I could move anywhere in the world and be happy because I love the Lord. But if He told me to move there, I'd say, okay, Lord, when's the move date? Okay, now He hasn't told me, but I will say this: I love India and I love the atmosphere of what they would call mysticism. It is in the air, and there is a part of respecting spiritual things that I greatly value and can appreciate and understand that is ingrained into the Indian culture. But because India leans more towards that direction of mysticism, um, it has caused them to remain stuck in certain areas of national growth and development that they can't get into as long as they hold on to that old way of thinking and that old way of operating because I've seen things in India with all of the um, Hindu temples and all of the 500 million gods that they worship. I've seen some things that could make a westerner's head spin. Uh, I'm talking you, you want to see supernatural, weird, and bizarre. It's there. And so if you stay in that, you cannot get into this other area of development because you can take the Indian man, and you could say, we're going to put you in the high jump in track and field. You have to jump as high as you can, jump over the bar. And well, he can not only can jump over the bar, he can hover in the air. (laughs) You've got the gurus and you have the people who've devoted their whole lives to mysticism and getting into really the black arts, going into that realm through an unlawful door, but, uh, they have opened the door anyhow, and they've gone through into these things. So the the thing is like, Hey, you can't jump the bar that way. You, you have to jump using your leg muscles. You can't go up there and just float in the air. Okay. So if you cling to mysticism and as a Christian, you have to be careful with your prayer life and your spiritual life that you don't, Use that solely to even try to be a substitute for planning, because you can't build ten-lane uh, super highways with mysticism. You cannot, you cannot build an airline and fly jet airplanes with commercial passengers on them solely with mysticism. And thank God for ministries like Jesus calls that was established by Dr. DGS Denecarin, who also opened up, under the leading of Jesus, a technical institute. Matter of fact, Jesus came to Dr. DGS in a vision and told him, many young people who have been saved in your meetings have no direction in life because they have no trade skill, no job training. He said, therefore, they're going to become discouraged, and many of them will walk away from me. He said, so I want you to establish a vocational technical institute so that they can learn tech skills, vital skills for life. And thus, he did that. And so what happens, you move away from mysticism into practicality where now you can build a house. Praise the Lord. Now we can have modern sanitation. Praise the Lord. Now we can uh, put rockets and satellites up in space, and we can have GPS and internet beaming down and all of these other good things. Praise God. So uh, practicality is the using also of the brain, and every gain is traced to the use of the brain. Even when I get things from the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit gives me something, it actually, it's like it's coming up and registers in my mind, and my mind is working with my brain um, to pick that up, whether it's a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, praise the Lord. So every gain is traced to the use of the brain. So we need to engage our own thoughts, and we need to uh, draft and create our own plans so that we can create the future that we want. Praise God. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. I tell you, it's exciting. You should be exciting. Get your notebook and pen and be excited about planning out this coming year, what you're gonna do and what you're going to accomplish as a co-laborer with Jesus together. Praise God. Why do many Christians sometimes get stuck in low paying jobs. It's because they do not do mental work. And if they're unwilling to do mental work, they're stuck doing menial work. Wow. What's menial work? It's a job that anybody can do. But when you do mental work and study and apply yourself, now you're qualified to get paid for something that requires skilled training. You know, I was on the phone with a, um, a, uh, a, a software editing specialist. And, uh, the person was a young person, uh, in their early twenties. I said, Hey, uh, how did you learn how to do this? Did you go to a university or a, a trade school? And the person said, no, I learned it on my own. And the, the good thing with what she, uh, excuse me, he had learned is that if you learn it, it, the fact that you know, it qualifies you for that, uh, opening in that job position and they need many people in that type of position. So the fact that you can do it, in other words, if you're interviewed and they ask you the questions and you know the answers and you can prove and show what you've done, you're in. <laughs> so what what's going on? How did that person learn it? Sitting down and just working through the learning curve and learning all of that stuff that you can't know unless you apply yourself to it. But that moves you out of menial work into a good paying job. By the way, God's ways are never lower. God's ways are what? They're always higher. And that's the direction that he wants you moving in. Woo. Praise the Lord. You know, Uh, My wife and I were doing some strategic planning for the Pure Gold TV show. Right now, we're on two networks that really saturate America. We're on direct TV, which is a satellite, one of the two primary satellites in America beaming down over the nation right now. And one of these networks we're on goes all goes global all over the world, but they both uh, cover the nation extensively. And so we're on DirecTV uh, on two different networks. So two different channels. So that's reaching a vast audience. But as we are strategizing, we want to get on the other primary satellite. There's two primary satellites here in America beaming down. One is direct TV. The other is DISH Network. So we're already making plans and working that out so that later in the coming year, we will have that ability to get on DISH Network as well. And we already feel pretty confident in the network that we want to select that is on DISH Network. What does that mean? It means then we're on DirecTV and DISH Network, two of the mightiest satellites uh, beaming down over America. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. But there's planning and there's a structuring and there's the timing of all of that. But I tell you what, for me, it's very, very exciting. And I know the plans that you're crafting for your life are very exciting as well. And let me say also thank you for for all of you that are partners with me in this uh, global TV plan because you share in the rewards, not only eternally, but even as God bless blesses your seeds with a mighty harvest for the winning of souls and building up God's people. Now, strategic thinking restores dignity. And I want to close with this scripture. The ability to strategically plan and think creates dignity and will even restore lost dignity in your life. Look at this scripture in Luke chapter 15, and I know that you're very familiar with it. Luke 15 verse 17. This is the prodigal son sitting around with a bunch of pigs sitting in the mud. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, I like how the King James version says he came to his senses he started thinking again. It's like the fog is lifting off. But when he came to himself, he said, okay, so what's going on? He's having a board of directors meeting with himself, <laughs> spirit, soul, body. Hey, listen up. I'm fed up, sitting in the mud, starving, hungry. What is he doing? He's applying analytical thinking. He's analyzing the situation. He, he's sitting on wet mud. He's looking at pigs who are full He's examining his stomach, which is empty. He is applying reasoning. He's using his mind, his brain. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And then verse 18, he is able to uh, draw a conclusion and plan out uh, accordingly what he is going to do. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him in other words he knows i just can't show up so he actually plans out what he's going to say (laughs) he plans out what he's going to do and what he's going to say when he gets there he's got the whole thing planned out and watch there are some christians that are going to walk into the next year with no plans at all what's going to happen uh you just get stuck in a repeat mode and uh like almost like a rut and they can't figure out why why is there no growth why is nothing changing because they're not willing to sit down and plan. Woo, praise God, amen. So you're going to get this plan worked out, but you also want to be committed to the plan. And the big part is just getting it mapped out. I feel confidence in your commitment. Be committed to your plan. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So it's not enough to just have a business or to have a ministry, or having an organization, or in a general sense, just to have a life. My friends, there has to be a plan so that you are continually growing, and you are continually moving forward from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. And much of that revolves around mapping out, planning out what it is you're going to do. All right, I want to pray for you. Please lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that are watching right now. I pray that the creativity of your Holy Spirit touch their minds, and I I pray that they begin to think on creative levels, very strategic levels. Father, let genius anointing uh, of, of the anointed one flow through their minds, and let them get this coming year Mapped out, planned out, where they want to go, what they want to accomplish, what they want to do. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. I thank you that you're in the center of all that they're planning. And I thank you, Father God, that they are going to co labor with you, unlike any uh, work that they've ever done before as they move into this new year. Father, I thank you for them not just having a good plan but they are going to have a great plan in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Now lift your hands again and celebrate Jesus who is giving you a great plan. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. Amen. He won't just give you the whole thing, but as you work it out and talk it out, pray it out, plan it out, he'll give it to you. Amen. And you'll have the whole thing ready to go. Praise God. Now, for those of you that would be watching and listening, but perhaps you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today, you can know Him, and you can have peace with God. If you used to know the Lord, but you fell away from God, maybe you um, uh, went back into the world because you just got sucked into all of that stuff, and you have now found yourself away from God. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus and you can do that today. So those of you that want to get your life right with God, pray this right now. Jesus will save you right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I want your plan for my life. Jesus, As I plan out the new year, may you be in the very center of this plan. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray, amen and amen. I'm getting a quickening of the Holy Spirit that there's someone watching me. Now, this is not for many. This is only for a few. But for a few of you, your plan will actually include a move. I'm talking about a real literal move where you pack everything up and you actually are going to move to a different location. Now, this is only for a few, but the few that uh, God actually has that in the plan for you, uh, may it bear witness with your spirit. Praise God, and make sure you plan that in because a move is a big thing, right? Uh, that's why I don't like moving. Why? It's it's a major, uh, it, it's, it's a major change. It's, it's difficult. Amen. So you want to do it as least as possible, but for a few that would be in the mix for you. So plan it well. Amen, and it'll go well. All right, let's take Holy Communion before uh, we say goodbye for the day. Grab some unleavened bread and grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we bless the juice and the bread. We set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is the flesh and blood of Jesus, the anointed one. Father, as we receive his flesh, we are very excited about your plan for our lives. Father, we're very excited. And we thank you that this is going to be a tremendous year. We thank you that you're crowning this year with glory, and the next year is going to be greater. Father, we receive the Lord's body and his good plan, his great plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if uh, anybody uh, has sinned against us. Well, Father, we forgive them. We ask if we have committed any sin that you would forgive us. and we, we just thank you, Father, for the cleansing blood working, working, working in our lives. We thank you, Father God, that our lives are right with you through the blood. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. The Lord is healing depression right now. Give him praise. Father, we now receive the blood of Jesus. Thank you, O God. Amen. Let's partake together. Woo! Praise the Lord. The Lord is healing depression right now praise god something of an addictive nature uh i believe it's drugs is coming off of somebody and you feel you feel like it's like leaving you like it's radiating out of you right now a bad thing and it is it's that addictive um it's that addictive uh like chemicals all that substance that has uh, gotten like connected to your system it's leaving you right now receive receive in jesus name Amen. Somebody, uh, you're a believer, and you have gotten addicted to prescription drugs. That addiction is leaving you right now through Jesus, the anointed one who heals you. Receive, receive in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we give you praise. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. The Lord is bringing the stability and peace that you desire. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing you back next time. Have a great week. Bye-bye.